Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show On the Mark. As we enjoy Be Kind Month, we are asking everybody today to fill out a survey at the bottom of a receipt. You might tell them the service was terrible and it was the rottenest place you've ever visited. But I think Would they that mean, be acceptable uh, under these guidelines? No. No, no I think you're supposed to thank Well, us. your service was miserable. I do commend you for the effort. <laughs> but, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what, at least you came to work. All right, yes, fill out a survey at the bottom of a receipt, and we assume uh, give the uh, store employee or the waitress or the uh, good postal worker or whomever it was favorable comments. I always fill out the those when I see them because I want to win the $100. Have else? you ever won the $100? Do you know anyone who's ever won a prize in one of those things? I used to fill them out, too, figure, hey, I'm going to get a $500 gift card at Best Buy or a $100 gift card at Wise. Never happens. <laughs> Not yes, that they don't award them, just that I don't have any luck. Well, people in Delaware win them a lot, I guess. Anyway, so write a nice comment uh, with your takeout order. Thank a store employee. Fill out a survey at the bottom of the receipt, hopefully with favorable <laughs> reviews for the uh, restaurant or individual. That's today's Be Well, kind. that's you. But what, what happens to you? Has anybody been, during this wonderful, magnificent month we're having, has anyone done any of those things for you? I can't say that I can think of anything sort of outstanding, but people are pretty generally pretty grateful around here. You know, they're grateful. Like on the On the Mark show, I'll get an email from somebody that says, you know, thanks for opening up the phones and letting me spout on about this or that, to but use their nothing words. nothing as the result of Be Kind Month. I, I, I wouldn't say I've noticed anything, okay. no. Okay, well... So would you say it's an abject failure? I've been, well, no, I've been pouring <laughs> on the accolades to the people have that you? we talked to on so the show. So you've been slathering everybody up, but you have not received any slather yourself. I'm just calling it like <laughs> I see it, and that's where we have some yeah, super Yeah, but you're people. wearing pretty thick glasses over there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I see. I don't think you see them too clearly. I have to just be... the opposite of Fox Funnels. I have uh, Marktopia glasses. You have Mr. Magoo eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that really make everything you look Remember, Mr. Favorable. Magoo, I'm sure he's politically incorrect today. Right, even when... Uh, Van or Joseph call in and say, Mark, you are so wrong. It's ridiculous. I'm happy that they get a chance to express their opinion, and I use what they say to uh, learn and grow and to be a better person. And have you? Not Learned yet. and grown no, and become not, a better yet, person? No, no. But there's always hope. Tomorrow's a new day. All right, everybody. On the Mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Uh, we had a visit from Kyle yesterday, our former uh, uh, colleague, an announcer who now works at the Sunbury Motor Company. Uh, he is trying to sell me a 2021 Ford Ranger. It is a four-door vehicle with a very spacious cab and a five-foot bed. Uh, total price with uh, after a bunch of discounts and so on. It 
it is, what, uh, $39,000. So that is not too bad. I hope Kyle camps on your doorstep. You've been talking about buying one of these things for so long. I say, Kyle, come get him. He's ripe. And uh, has uh, the sync system that you use, S-Y-N-C system that you use well, to... I thought you were no, saying the no, sync was in it. <laughs> don't start. It has an outlet back in the bed to, so you can plug things in. Um, and uh, let's see, what else does it have that I think my vehicle has to have? has a sliding rear window with defrost and remote start, wow. so I don't have to be out in the vehicle to start it. It also has the adaptive cruise control, you know, where, where you love this, where you set it to tailgate and you ride too close to the person in front of you. It also has forward sensing system that will stop you in case somebody in front of you stops suddenly and you don't notice it. Is it a 12-cylinder? No, it oh, is not a 12 okay. I'm sure it's a V6. <laughs> where is that? 2.3-liter EcoBoost engine, automatic turnoff, 10-speed transmission. Where's the... I, I, I don't see the motor. It doesn't have a motor, so... Well, that, that's a... Del- it's got to have one. That's a pickle. <laughs> no wonder the gas mileage is so high. No, it gets to, uh, to average 22 miles a gallon, 20 in the city, and 24 on the highway. With no motor, it should do better than that's that. That's what I get with my Ranger, is 24 on the highway, and it's an old uh, clunker. So well, here's your chance to unclunker yourself. <laughs> yeah, thirty nine. That's a great price. That's a ton of truck for thirty nine thousand. Uh, five foot bed. Like, to make like, up one of your words, it would be unclunkerization for you. <laughs> I'd like a longer bed. I need a six foot bed. I need the double cab and the six foot bed both. So we'll we'll send this back to Kyle and say you're on the right track. On the mark <laughs> is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, where Kyle works. Check them out at sunburymotors.com, as I've done on many occasions. Our toll-free line now open, 1-800-795-9565, if you want to talk about the pandemic or... Oh, no, we need to talk about the stain on the Capitol. <laughs> you want to talk about uh, Bruce Castor laying an egg at the Capitol <laughs> yesterday? That was funny. We have some excerpts of his remarks uh, from CBS, so we'll play those. I learned there. something new today that I didn't know before. What's that? Well, we, my wife and I were watching the... Um, uh, presentation by the president's second attorney. I forget his name. Sean? Is it Sean? Something like that. <clears throat> like that. And uh, every time you take a drink, drink of water, you put his hand on his head. Oh. And I thought he was trying to hold on a toupee. My wife thought he uh, thought he was uh, Jewish of the Jewish faith, and he was holding on a yarmulke. But it turns out, and I didn't know this, Orthodox observant Jews, when they take a drink or eat something, they put their hand on their head and say a little prayer. Hmm. And that's what he was doing. He's very observant. That's He's very why, observant. That's, I, I didn't know that. I, I have many, many friends who are Jewish, and I just didn't know that. He is why they are breaking uh, during the Sabbath, and then they'll resume Sunday. So he's the decider as to why that's happening. Well, I was watching Morning Joe this morning, and, uh, you know, I don't think he's got the memo from the president about being kind and nice and (laughs) and inclusive. He's referring to the stain on the Capitol that was created by Donald Trump and his police-killing insurrectionists. Now, don't you think that's a bit over the top? It's, you know, he's making it sound, and he repeats it. It's it's classic. You repeat the lie all the time. Every time he refers to Trump, he refers to him as a cop killer, you know, and that these people were, were there to kill police. And I think if, they, if there was a really an armed mob that was intent on doing violence, there would have been a lot more than there was there. Well, they weren't armed, and they didn't really have firearms, so that was the first and aspect And yet, what do it. you hear about conservatives all the time? Well, we love our guns and our Bibles, and we're going to shoot you if we don't like what you say. Well, I think they had to decide, do they want to be close to the Capitol, or do they want their guns? They couldn't have both, so I think they chose to get close to the Capitol, and they knew they could do a lot of damage. 
without that. So, uh, and I, I think, you know, insurrection is a broad term. I kind of stopped using that because, as we know more about the groups of individuals, the hundreds of individuals who had banded together and their pre-planning, and it was definitely a conspiracy, and a few of them probably wanted to overthrow the government, but most of them just say we wanted to send this tremendous message that they did send, you know, getting as far as they got was the message, and uh, trying to hang Mike Pence and kill Nancy Pelosi was part of their rhetoric, but that was not so, their intent, and they never expected to get that close. If a, if a conservative believes in a conspiracy theory, that makes him a, a blathering idiot and a QAnon person. But you believe in a conspiracy on the other side. What's that make you? I, I think that, I don't know that there was a conspiracy. Oh, there definitely was yeah, among the QAnon people in the weeks prior to that. We know that to be true now. How do we know that to be true? I haven't seen that. Uh, the, all the hundreds, uh, it's the through line through the hundreds of individuals who were arrested. Now, not all 200 people who've been charged said they, they pre-planned it, but the, uh, uh, the preponderance of those who did said that they were involved in making sure that they went to the Capitol to stir up some trouble. They were going to whatever, you know, barricades were put in front of them, they were going to go past whatever message they needed to send that the election will not be stolen. And when they got into the Capitol, they got as far, they caused a lot of damage and a lot of chaos, and they stopped the steal temporarily, and that was their goal, was to send that message. How do you rate Donald Trump's culpability in this? As believing what you do, coming from the left. I'd say he's about 50% culpable because he's been empowering them since July, saying, you know, well in advance that this election uh, is going to be stolen. The only way I could lose is if it is stolen. And then he said there was widespread fraud, which, of course, there wasn't, despite the fact that Mike Lindell, his uh, favorite ally, says that there was and that uh, uh, that they... Well, you can't get his pillows at Target anymore. Not Target, (laughs) but at uh, Kohl's, Kohl's anymore. Kohl's department store. You never could get them at Kohl's Hardware, which is where I shop. But anyway, so... Your pillows must be awfully hard. <laughs> some days. All right. So um, what was I going to say? Oh, about back to the summer. Well, and I, and I think you had Rudy Giuliani representing the president did a tremendous disservice just by making stuff up out of whole cloth. You know, witness the Fox News lawsuit and soon Newsmax and the other OAS, OAS or OANS news service will be uh, sued as well, according to the people. People from this Smartmatic and from uh, uh, Dominion, they're going to sue. People get sued all the time. Well, I know, but I think it turns out that they were literally just making stuff up that they knew was untrue, and then allowing an open mic for it, you know, to to be on their airways when they knew it was not true. But of course, they wanted to keep the to keep doing the stop the steal mentality, even though the election had not been fraudulent or was certainly wasn't there wasn't a widespread fraud and. And uh, they knew that was a lie, and they kept it going. Well, I look at it this way. I mean, I think Donald Trump's comments were certainly ill-advised. I don't know that if I had heard them, and I was down there, and I, I was concerned about the anomalies in the election, although I don't believe, while I believe there were, were some fraudulent items, I don't think they would have overturned the outcome, and I think Joe Biden was the legitimately elected president of the United States, so I'm not going to go there. But on the other hand, I can understand how people would feel that, you know, these things are need to be investigated, they need to be looked at, most of them were thrown out of court on technicalities, not a review of the evidence. But if Rudy Giuliani lied about this, then I think he will be found guilty. But if he didn't, if he has proof, maybe there will finally, in a lawsuit, finally it will come out. (laughs) He has proof that... 
Hugo Chavez actually owns <laughs> Dominion, which is owned by some... He didn't say Hugo Chavez owned it. He oh. said he was tied to it. <laughs> okay. Right. And that there's soft... Hugo doesn't own anything okay. these days. He's dead. Well, that, that'll be perfect. This will be very easy to prove because uh, Rudy Giuliani says that there is software that's downloaded onto the Dominion machines, this Smartmatic software that was put on Dominion machines that automatically flip votes for them. All you got to do is open the machine, download the software, and people who understand computer code, maybe yourself, will be able to look at that and say, oh, well, there it is. After each vote is cast, let one vote go for Democrat and flip any other Democratic votes, the next two votes, you know, whatever it is, the code will show that. Well, that so, wasn't the way it worked. It was the other way around. Well, yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> I'm, just say, I'm just saying, but that code will be easy to detect because, you know, eggheads like you understand that stuff. And I don't understand it'll, code. It'll, well, it'll leave That's a ones footprint and zeros. for folks who do. We'll get Kevin involved. He understands three layers <laughs> deep in the computer and would know. Well, I'm one and a half layers deep. So, exactly. But, I mean, I look at it this way. Well, let, let me go back to this question. All right, you believe Donald Trump is 50% responsible for what happened at the Capitol. Well, how much do you think he's responsible? I said before I thought 30 to 35%. You're sticking with that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I could be convinced otherwise. But, I mean, I think his attorneys did a miserable job yesterday. Um, <laughs> attorney Schoen was the better of the two. The other guy was Bruce Castor. Bruce Castor was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, he started out by saying the dog ate my homework. I thought, oh, that's bad. Yeah, well, he said we, cha- we changed our uh, tactics because the prosecution was so good. I mean, come on. Here, here's a little <laughs> excerpt of that. I'll be quite frank with you. We changed what we were going to do on account that we thought that the House manager's presentation was well done. And I wanted you to know that we have responses to those things. I thought that what the first part of the case was, which was the equivalent of a motion to dismiss, was going to be about jurisdiction alone. And, and uh, one of the, uh, the fellows who spoke for the House managers, who was a former criminal defense attorney, seemed to suggest that there's something nefarious that we were discussing jurisdiction and trying to get the case dismissed. But this is where it happens in the case, because jurisdiction is the first thing that has to be found. We have counter-arguments to everything that they raised, and you will hear them later on in the case from Mr. Vanderveen and from myself. So you believe the dog ate his homework. (laughs) Yes, you will hear those arguments just a few days from now after we prepare them. Well, I think he makes a good point that the, I don't know that that was the the time showing what happened at the Capitol was not necessarily the time to make the argument that the trial was legal. I mean, that, what, what bearing did that have on that? The question is whether or not they had, as he's right, whether they had jurisdiction to run the trial, which is at the heart of whether or not you believe the Constitution makes it, makes it possible for somebody to convict someone impeached after they're out of office. Well, an attorney reader said this morning, on WKOK that essentially it is up to the Senate whether they can run this trial. You know, the Constitution is clear enough for them to decide whether they can run the trial or not. Right, and they made that decision. Right, and so now we're underway. But how many emotions do you think were swayed by looking at what happened at the Capitol? That's not the argument that should have been made then. I think Castor is correct. That argument is for later on. And I think doing that, what the House managers tried to do was inflame people, inflame the senators, have them say, oh, we're not going to tolerate this. And, in fact, one Republican senator did switch his vote, uh, I think from Tennessee. Is it from Tennessee? Or is that it? Cassidy, Bill Cassidy? Yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think he's from Louisiana. Louisiana. 
that's right. I'm sorry. He is from Louisiana. So, I mean, he switched right. his vote. And I think that's, that's you know, a legitimate thing. If you hear the arguments and you believe that the other side has made its case, why shouldn't you? Understand he's going to be punished now by the Louisiana Republican Committee. They've already issued a statement blasting him for changing his vote. And yet um, Mitch McConnell has told the senators to vote their conscience. So. Well, I think the the uh, the Senate will vote to convict. This is what I see coming. Because you think they will? Yes, because uh, and Lawrence's worthless predictions always come true. That is why President Hillary Clinton is still serving. And <laughs> you realize that sixteen Republicans have to, or fourteen Republicans have to vote. Yes. Okay, and you yes. think that'll happen? Yeah. That is why President Trump was reelected, and that is why President Jeb Bush is going to be our next president. Because my predictions <laughs> always come true. All right, we're going to take a quickie break. If you'd like to join our conversation, we're just kind of doing a recap. We have another excerpt of Bruce Castor's remarks. We will hear from a CBS correspondent as the 9 o'clock hour progresses, so we'll be hearing that. And we would just love to hear from you. 1-800-795-9565. We will be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Joe and I are stuck on this sticker that Kyle brought us uh, um, for a Ford Ranger. Five-foot bed. I'm going to send a message down, and we need the six-foot bed and double cap. So. <laughs> I have some unmet needs. Are you You obviously do. Right. Uh, all right. We have a one caller standing by. We're going to turn that line on right now. Good morning, Jordy. You are on the mark. Thanks for calling in today. Sure. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, you sounded lonely. Um, I've been enjoying this winter weather. I went to college in Minnesota. I kind of like cold winters. Um, so uh, here's just a little fun thing for you. Uh, somebody yesterday put on, on Twitter, what are five words that will immediately end the meeting? Right? It's like a fun challenge. And one of my favorites was uh, lunch is homemade chicken salad. So homemade egg salad. <laughs> Wait, say so that again. What are, the five, like, what are the five words? Lunch is homemade egg salad. Do you remember, like, I feel like every summer there's a party, there's a <laughs> wedding where somebody brought homemade egg salad and gave everybody salmonella. Um, but uh, anyway, you can play with that as a, as a fun office game, you know. Thank uh, you. Uh, sure. What are you, so, putting um, dishes away? Is that your job at home, to put the dishes away? Uh, yes, in fact. Um, <laughs> is it not yours? <laughs> uh, actually, it is, yes. Thank you. And floors. <laughs> not mine. I'm the man in my house. <laughs> in other words, he's broken too many glasses. He's not that's my wife won't let me near anything breakable. Anyway, Jordy, oh, that's, that's not why you're cold. No, but, you know, why, why not Why not uh, chuckle a little bit sometimes? Um, you know, I, I, I was curious. Uh, you know, the attorney Schoen said that uh, the Constitution is made of words. That was part of, he's one of Trump's defense attorneys. I thought that was 
probably a low point in American jurisprudence. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you all saw that, but um, you were talking about Bruce Castor. I don't. Do you all know who Bruce Castor is? I mean, sure. He was the attorney general in Montgomery County for eight years. Well, right. He was the and, DA uh, in Montgomery County, yes. And he's uh, the one I mean, that the DA, decided yeah. not to prosecute Bill Cosby. Right, 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 right. So, anyway, just kind of an interesting tidbit. Um, you know, I, I wonder, I was listening to you, Joe, and, and you said there were some, were some anomalies in the election that should be investigated. Like, I, I, I recognize that. You know, I pay attention to what gets talked about in right-wing media and Republican circles. And... Um, you're, you're just kind of repeating some of those points. There's, there's no anomalies that mean anything like fraud. And Trump spent months, and I said, as I said yesterday, going back to 2016, sowing doubt that our elections are legitimate. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm trying to say this in a friendly tone, but you're participating in that. But there are no anomalies that equate to fraud. You never, you, you obviously uh, thing, don't listen to the, the program. You, you, you obviously these, don't you listen know, to, to, hang on a second, Jordy. Hold, Jordy, Jordy, hold on a second. You obviously don't listen to me. I have said I believe that there are anomalies in the election, but they would not have led to overturning the result. That's not the I, same thing as saying that I believe there were anomalies that would have made a difference. I've never said that anybody should not have made the, that the attorney, the uh, secretaries of state shouldn't have certify the election never said any of that stuff but I yes i believe there are anomalies lawsuits to investigate to get to the bottom of what the anomalies were. why why do we need that well if any of them are curable then we should fix them if there if somebody you don't made need a, a lawsuit for that you just didn't have an investigative uh, a, a, a legislative investigation at the state or the congressional level but who was willing to do that where, where was the? Where were the Democrats saying we agree with you? This needs to be looked at. Let's let's have a bipartisan investigation to make sure everything's okay. I didn't because hear that. All of that. All of that is very pretty window dressing to advance an agenda that maybe you don't realize you agree with. But it's about <laughs> sowing doubt that the election was valid. No, I have never said anything. I'm allowed to have my Doesn't opinion whether, whether you dislike it, it or just, not. Just I'm like allowed COVID. to have my opinion just about like what is and what just isn't. Just like COVID. Just like COVID. You're an asymptomatic carrier of a disease, and the disease is that there's a problem with our election. Well, I think maybe you're an asymptomatic carrier of the disease, which is Democratic bias against President Trump and anything he ever stood for. No, I'm not speaking as a Democrat. I'm just speaking as an American. Well, then why can't you acknowledge both sides of the argument? What's the other side of the argument? The other side of the argument is that there were obviously things that were not right in the election and that the president had every legal right to question them. Did he go overboard with respect to his... um, Stop the steal? Yes, he did, and I don't buy it. I don't think anybody, a right-minded person, buys it. But other uh, people I know do accept the fact that the, uh, the election was stolen from him. They believe it, and that's their right in this country, whether no, we like it or not. No elected official, whether it's me who swore a duty to uphold the Constitution in my lowly borough office, or the president, has any right to um, to try and break the law to overturn an election. And and Donald Trump, we all heard it, called the Secretary of State in Georgia, who was also a Republican, and I salute Secretary Raffensperger, I salute the uh, Republican in Michigan, the Republican Board of Elections there, who resisted this in Arizona this this week since the election. There's been one single Republican in the state Senate in in Arizona who resisted an urge to continue this real witch hunt into uh, uh, this chimera of anomalies. All of that, you know, President Trump called the Secretary of State in Georgia, Republican, and said, can you find me 11,000 votes plus one? Can't you find that? All of that. You keep talking about a standard as if Donald Trump had to hand them blueprints for this. All of that shows that Donald Trump is unfit for office, unfit for office. And impeachment at its core, because it's about our values as Americans, 
what the founders wanted, regardless of party, is a way to hold politicians accountable for being unfit for office. Whether or not and he, whether he or not he did something, time and again. And if you want to make excuses <laughs> for him, go ahead. Whether or not he, um, you know, did something wrong in that call to the Secretary of State is a matter that now will be decided in the courts. Because I understand there's uh, some legal action pending as a result of it. If he did wrong, he should be held accountable. I've never said anything other than that. Anybody who does wrong should be held accountable. I just don't like the double standard. People on the left, are you willing to excuse riots and insurrections that have to do with things like Black Lives Matter, but then you find it appalling that people who believe the election was stolen would, would dare to have an opinion that uh, or some take some action that is similar in uh, scope and size to what uh, has happened on the left? Jordy, we got to stop. It's all wrong. Jordy, hold on, hold on. Jordy, Jordy, it's all wrong. I'm sorry to do that. I have to put him on hold because we're out of time. We're going to have to get his response to that uh, often misstated uh, argument that Black Lives Matter somehow is uh, the bane of prosecution. Didn't and say it was a bane of prosecution. I just said that there were other issues involved here. All right. So we lost Jordy. Jordy, please call back. We'd love to chit chat with you after the 906 news that's uh, coming up. So hopefully Jordy will call back and he can respond to that uh, frivolous and ridiculous accusation. <laughs> I didn't make a frivolous or ridiculous <laughs> accusation about Jordy. Jordy's a fine guy. I have a lot of worthless opinions. We're going to hear from Leonard Steinhorn at 945. So we got that uh, squared away. This is WDK, okay, Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. It is, let's see, we are looking at the 10th day of February 2021. If you'd like to weigh in on the impeachment or the the pandemic, call us now. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. These are the topics we are discussing right now. We'll hear from Leonard Steinhorn at 945 this morning. Rob's going to call him up. and We've got the number on the screen, so we'll be good to go when that time comes. And uh, we'll talk to him. He's a political analyst for CBS News and a professor at American University. So we'll talk to him about the impeachment as uh, a little bit of history unfolding in front of us uh, these days. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com or text us at 70236. We invite you to do what I have now done, now that I see this Ford Ranger that uh, Kyle so kindly sent me some photographs, you can visit sunburymotors.com to see all of the Ford Rangers that they've got down there. They don't have any with my six-foot bed, so they're going to have to get one of those in. We might have to upgrade to the Ford F-150 that'll have a six-and-a-half-foot bed and the double cab and uh, the uh, V6 EcoBoost motor with the automatic shutoff and uh, the collision detection and the power rear window and the heated seats. Hint, 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 Kyle. 
Also, we got Joe's Lincoln Navigator going to be coming up here to visit the station in the weeks ahead. Uh, Kia, a wide range. I want the Kia Telluride, but uh, any good Kia will do, and we'll talk about that and the Hyundai. The Sonata is my favorite vehicle, but I'm sure there's one that is yours, and we'll be talking about them in the weeks ahead. Provided by the Sunbury Motor Company, our sponsor. If you are not ready for a new vehicle, then all you got to do is visit the Sunbury Motor Company and uh, talk to them about uh, the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury, or the Alignment Shop, the Body Shop, uh, the uh, other shops that they got. They got all kinds of shops there that'll take good care of your vehicle no matter what it is. Some very brief news headlines here. State troopers, the Union County District Attorney, and the Union County Coroner are out with more details on the woman whose body was found along I-80 in Union County Sunday. They now say the woman was a former model who was shot in the head several times. Live reporting 47-year-old Rebecca Landreth of Virginia was the victim of a homicide. She was shot in the head, neck, and throat. Police theorized she was shot elsewhere, and the body left here. A PennDOT employee found her body uh, that morning, Sunday morning. South Carolina man in jail after he went through Shemokin Dam in a stolen vehicle and was arrested. 36-year-old Christopher Luttrell busted at a hotel in Shemokin Dam driving a stolen car. Also wanted on an arrest warrant elsewhere for another motor vehicle theft. Uh, Shemokin Dam cops on the job there. The Pennsylvania Department of Health has launched a new tool called Your Turn to help you decide and make sure that you are ready when the time comes for you to get your vaccine. Your Turn will solely be used for the purpose of determining if you are eligible to receive the vaccine. It does not register you to receive a vaccine and does not guarantee a vaccination appointment. Senior advisor with the Health Department, Lindsay Maudlin. You can hear all of her remarks at WKOK.com. And Bucknell University, lower COVID-19 numbers now, 34 active cases. That's half the number of earlier since the start of the semester. Also, statewide hospitalizations way down to about 2,800, uh, below the 6,000 peak earlier. Geisinger Danville's got 72 souls on board, and that's about half of uh, the number earlier, more less than half and then earlier. Evangelical Community Hospital, 19 COVID-19 patients. They had 60-some people uh, at the peak of uh, their hospitalizations earlier this year. And his opening statement was quite the kitten caboodle during a virtual court proceeding held in Texas. One of the attorneys failed to realize he was speaking while using a kitten filter on Zoom. The lawyer, Rod Ponton, can be can uh, animates the cat as he moves and moves his eyes, and the feline keeps up on the screen with him. So as he made his legal arguments, people could see the cat talking and arguing, <laughs> uh, legal arguments, that is. After being told by the presiding judge that his video filter settings were turned on, Ponton can be heard acknowledging his dilemma on the other side, says he doesn't know how to do it. He eventually switched computers so he would prove to the court officially that he was not a cat. I think it would be great if all of them, if all of everybody <laughs> in these everybody Zoom should, meetings did these things. Should weigh in as the animal of their a choice. Cat. Sort of like their... Uh, uh, what do they call it? Your doppelganger? No, an animal that helps reflect your personality. Uh, a f- not a fairy or a, a fairy, something <laughs> like that. Now, the, some fiction stories have an animal that is your companion and is, is reflects your personality a little bit more accurately, and so people can see right away how you are. Well, that's a good name. Uh, we have to figure out a daemon. A daemon. Okay. Yes, there you go. How All about right. Pythias? Asked, asked, <laughs> and answered. Jordy's back on when we last. Uh, 
spoke. Joe was equating the Capitol riots with the Black Lives Matter and protests. Antifa. Okay, and I Jordy, was throwing them all in. Your view on that ridiculous statement? Well, first of all, because I live with an expert in children's literature, I need to tell you that it's Philip Pullman series, His Dark Materials, and it's actually pronounced Demon mm-hmm. uh, on purpose. Demon, <laughs> um, okay. but. But it's also something, um, a familiar is just the term that's more broadly from... Ah, uh, familiar. Yeah. A demon, though, yeah. sounds like a, a satanic. Well, he, you know, if you, it's a very interesting piece of literature, and, and he deals with themes of religion. So, so you know, Americans often pronounce it demon, but the, the author is British, and he meant it to be... He meant it to be demon, but I can't really go into the, the literature about that. But you're correct that it's meant to reflect your personality. Well, get your bride um, on the phone right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She can call in tomorrow and talk about Philip Pullman. She's in the kitchen staring at me balefully. Okay. Um, so um, I'm not actually um, – I, 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 there is no equivalence, and I'm not really going to go there. Um, it's, uh, it's just not – it's not legitimate. But, um, you know, yesterday when we were talking, I mentioned the article of impeachment, and, and I want to apologize for losing my cool a little bit earlier. But the article of impeachment, you know, um, I, I went and read it, and it's important. It's very short. I, I don't know if you all have had a chance to look at it, but um, it quite clearly says, um, you know, that, um, that President Trump, and again, as I said before, impeachment is a political process that founders set up to make sure that people do not serve in positions of power who are unfit for office. That's the core of it. Those are our values as, as Americans, and, and, and that's what's there. And the other stuff, the process and the procedure, is all about ensuring that. And if you look at what the article impeachment says, it makes it quite clear that President Trump is unfit to be in office and ever again. He's talked about running again, and that's why this matters. Um, It was that day on Wednesday, January 6th, it seems like a lifetime ago, but the joint session had commenced to certify these elections, which we all know were um, uh, legitimate and acceptable. And this is from, I'm reading directly from the article impeachment now. There, he reiterated false claims that we won this election and we won it by a landslide. He also wickedly made statements that, in context, encouraged and foreseeably resulted in lawless action at the Capitol, such as, this is Trump's quote, if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Um, and then skipping a little bit further ahead, President Trump's conduct on January 6, 2021, followed his prior efforts to subvert and obstruct the certification of the results of the 2020 presidential election, and they go on to talk, to, to talk about his um, conversation with Secretary Raff- Raffensperger from Georgia. So, you know, the, the point of the article of impeachment is there's a pattern of behavior about a man who is unfit to ever be in office again. Well, let's take a look at, um, I was trying to remember, you made a point, and you made a couple of points I wanted to comment on, but then uh, you kept going and I lost them. So that's a, that's a sign of age. But I mean, the president used the word fight as many people have used it. Not necessarily, if I say to you, go fight and win that game, I'm not urging you to violently take part in a physical activity. I'm just saying strive. I mean, maybe the word strive would be better, but fight is used so many times in our culture. We're going to win I'm in high school. My the cheer, cheer the football team got was uh, you know go fight win. It didn't mean to beat people up or harm them. It just meant to strive, and that's the way the president used it. Well, Joe, I mean, um, if it all hinged on whether or not he said fight metaphorically, we'd probably win. But the whole article of impeachment is about that statement in the context of having said uh, that the election was stolen, that um, that we won the election. Uh, we want it by a landslide. All of that is the context for what that one word fight means. And the standard of proof here for the jury of the Senate, and also, honestly, you know, I think for the jury of the American public, is whether his statement that day, in the context of the overall set of uh, 
statements and actions he had made, including all of those efforts to overturn the election by illegal means, like calling the Secretary of State of Georgia, which, as you said, there's possibly a criminal charge there. All of that is part of the, the Congress's job to say whether or not this person should ever run for office again. And he shouldn't. Okay. And All right. Thank you, Jordy. Sure. All right. We disagree. Really I don't think he should run for office again, but I don't think this is an impeachable offense, the way it's stated. But I can understand how people do. All right. Thank you so much, Jordy. Thanks for calling in. Sure. Very very much yeah. appreciated. All right. Hope uh, you didn't break any of those dishes. <laughs> no. My wife won't let me anywhere near the breakable stuff. His wife's in the kitchen now, so she's taken over. All right. All right. Uh, Chris, thank you for waiting a short time. You are on the mark. Yeah. Good morning. Uh... I just really confused why one would not want the president to be impeached for this and convicted. Well, he has been impeached. Yeah, you're talking about having him convicted. Okay, and convicted. All right. Let, well, that's a good question, Chris. Let's analyze it. I think it's overreach on the part of the Democrats. I think if they had gone with censure and and the strongest possible terms. I would have supported that, and I think many right-thinking Republicans would have supported it. But here, call this an impeachable offense? I don't think it is, because some people, you bear individual responsibilities for your acts. If I said to you, Chris, I think it's terrible what's happened to you. You should go beat the heck out of somebody. You still have the responsibility to determine whether or not you act on that. It's It's up to you. You know what's right and what's wrong. And so did every one of those people, every one of those terrorists who broke into the Capitol. They knew right from wrong, and yet they made a conscious decision to do it. And I don't think you can count President Trump's words as insightful, as inciting at that point. You know, if he had said, go down to that Capitol, tear it apart, kill Mike Pence, you know, if he had said specific action words like that, I would agree with you completely. But he didn't. Uh you're being a little uh, technical there, I think, for what he has, has been setting up for months. And he even set it up for his first election. Right. If I had, if I lost the election, I mean, there was fraud. And guess how what? Much, he how won. much do you really need? <laughs> do I think he's a good guy? No, I don't. I've said that on the program a hundred times. But yeah, does he deserve like to be policies, convicted? And they, they, you didn't care about it. I didn't care about what? That he was acting, uh, that he's uh, he's a conspiracy theorist <laughs> from the very start of his campaign. He uh, he promoted lies all through his campaign, all through his. Uh, and and I would agree with you if the Democrats and the people on the left had given him a fair shake at the beginning. But they oh, talked about no, come on, you come on. They a talked about impeaching. Shake. They talked about impeaching him before he was even sworn into office. Maxine Waters, we're going to impeach him. We got to get rid of him. Uh, and all because he and was they didn't just a do Republican. It until when? Well, they didn't do it until they could conjure up something to. to uh, that wasn't conjured <laughs> up. That was something he did. What did he do? And he was found not guilty, by the way, so that means he's exonerated. Well, it's, uh, it's not an impartial jury. Well, you it? just said it was a political trial. You and Jordy both said it's political. So what's wrong with the political outcome? Tell me that. <laughs> okay, so then you're for the political outcome. I'm not for not it. Be, I just uh, think it's pre. impeachment. It's, You're not really judging it. It's preordained. If the founders had intended it to be something other than a political judgment, they would have come up with something other than impeachment. To, uh, they take an oath. Now, 
to uh, be impartial, though, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, and you know, I may take an oath for something else, um, to do tap oh, dancing oath lessons. Oath matter now. <laughs> well, come on. To protect the Constitution, to protect so, the government. All right. Do you believe... Do you believe... His job. Do you believe anybody who doing, votes for... The, you're not going to answer my question, are you, Chris? You're not going to answer... You're not going to answer my question. Hold on, Joe. You, you, he's not going to answer my question. Now, neither of you know okay, what the other what said. Question? My question is... Do you believe that anybody who would decide, listen to the evidence, and decide not to vote for impeachment, do you believe they upheld that oath? You believe on uh, only one it's, outcome it's here, Chris. See how, because let's, let's talk even, even, the, even the, the procedural argument. Uh, what did the Republicans do? They... Uh, they they said they refused they refused to have the impeachment trial before he left office, and then when they when they uh, because McConnell didn't want it until January eighteenth uh, or something or was the original date or January twenty after the twenty twentieth he delayed it until after the twentieth, and now he's saying that. Well, we can't do it because he's not in office, because they delayed it until he was out of office. Uh, <laughs> kind of, uh, that's, that's a little peculiar. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a political process, Chris. It's been All political right. forevermore. So it's, it's political process. now. So... But now they can have the trial afterwards, right? Well, let's look at it this way. If something comes out, comes of this legal action, and I, I my memory is, as to exactly what it is is a little fuzzy at the moment because I only heard the story in passing. But if if they wind up charging him with something for calling that attorney or that uh, secretary of state in Georgia, if that winds up being a criminal charge, then I think that's right. And I think if, if you know, and he should face the consequences if it turns out that that's considered illegal. He should have faced the consequences of his actions in a, uh, not in a, uh, um, I guess in a jury trial, if you believe he incited a riot, he should have been charged criminally in the courts as a private citizen, and which he is really now. That work, though. That, that bar is too high. He didn't do it in the traditional fashion where he said, okay, there's a window. That was my point officer. exactly. So it wouldn't sustain a criminal nature, but it's obviously as a leader when it comes to occupying future office, with, he should uh, be convicted. With great power comes great responsibility, and you have great responsibility when you're government and when you're a president. And he, and he did that. not fulfill that great responsibility. In what way did he fail? <laughs> Only when he took office <laughs> and oh, served uh, every day. Well, you know, launching an attack on the, on the House, on the Congress when they were trying to do their work, I think, Gleefully. falls in the failure. And not doing anything except praising them for the first two or to the four hours of the uh, of the terrorism at the at the at the Congress is uh, is uh, worthy of impeachment. He was gleeful and conviction. Well, we don't know that. We haven't but, seen him on TV saying, "This is wonderful. I support the rioters. Go get them, boys." 
we have somebody's testimony, some third party said they heard something. That's not proof in this country. It would be a second party. It would be somebody who was there. But in any event, you're right. He Did they come it. before the courts and testify? Not yet. They came before the Washington Post and I mean, testified. You want to make an argument that what he did is all behind the scenes and it's terrible, but you have no proof, just as he had no proof the election was stolen. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much Thanks, for Chris. calling in. Take really, care, buddy. I really appreciate that. Cindy, last caller before a quickie break. Go right ahead. You know, I, uh, first of all, good morning. I, I wholeheartedly believe that the American justice system has to be predicated on an important principle called impartiality. So if someone tried to break into my house, right, and they got arrested, would they let me be on the jury for that situation? Not no. A, no. Because <laughs> no one in their right mind would believe <laughs> that I could be impartial, right? and have, as was called for yesterday, an open mind in hearing that case, right? Isn't that why we have jurors who had nothing to do with the situation? If somebody at, at uh, WKOK stole a lot of money, would any employee of WKOK be able to be on the jury? No. I gave because it all no back. no <laughs> one in their right mind believes that those people could be impartial. So here we have the, the highest kind of judicial function going on and they have people on the jury and people making the case who were victims of this uh, attack I, I, when I heard someone mention this the other day it's just bothered the daylights out of me how can any of us think this is appropriate I mean is that what we're going to do if, if I'm charged with a crime then, you know, the, the people directly involved can be on my jury. I sure hope not. Well, but this well, isn't a criminal proceeding. I don't proceeding. expect impartiality from those people. Right. This isn't a criminal proceeding. It's a political But there's no other mechanism show. to get any other group of jurors in the case. I mean, they are, the, they are the jurors. You could allow, he, he's out of office, right? And so you charge him with causing a riot. Oh, right. That's what I just you said. You charge him with sedition. Right. We have laws on the books for this stuff. No argument. Right, yep, I agree. And that's what I just said to our previous caller. Charging exactly. civilly. Or but that would be hard to prove. Before a group of people who weren't there that day. That would, that would immediately exclude you from the jury pool. <laughs> they weren't there that day and therefore, and, and through that process, the people who are so angry and upset get their day in court, Right. And conversely, the person accused has some semblance of justice. But that doesn't make a political point, and they're, and they're saying this is political theater, and it is. Whether you agree with it or not, right, it's the political is to theater. Send a message as much as it is to convict. Well, let's remember this. We should re- again. I call on us all to learn from history, and this is exciting because it's actually in our most of our lifetimes. Some time ago, the leader of the Senate decided you no longer needed to have 66 people to put a judge on a court. Remember that? And he, he said, well, this is for federal judges. You don't need 66 senators to vote for it. You can just have a simple majority. And this was breaking from history, breaking from tradition, abandoning the rules that had stood the test of time for a hundred-some years. But he decided to change it. And what ha- and he was warned about the consequences of that choice. And what happened afterwards? Well, the other side, the other team, they turned around and changed the rule too, and they got people on the court that have the opposition up in arms. So uh, what I'm saying is we should be very happy.
hesitant to abandon these core principles like impartiality in a jury. Because I don't know how anybody could claim, I hear the thing about they're going to swear to be impartial. That's like laughable. Well, under those principles, if you drag me into court, you could have impartial people there, all of whom I swindled their money. But I'm sure they're going to be impartial because, hey, they promised to be impartial. We'll, we'll no fill the jury with that. your family members. We'll, we'll get your cousins and aunts and uncles to serve on the jury, so that'll balance it out. So. Oh, and isn't that the very same thing? And wouldn't yes. the other side argue how unfair that is, right? How inappropriate. You know, it, I find it laughable sometimes that and, in, and yesterday in some of the arguments, oh, America, we're the shining example, and we're so <laughs> darn perfect, and we should hold ourselves up as the second coming. And yet, here's the things we're doing that fly in the face of that very behavior. Impartiality should be a sacred thing. And was there an avenue towards holding him accountable for his behavior that ensured that impartiality was upheld? Yes. And did the people who oppose him abandon that? Yes. And what will be the consequence of that? I think we'll all rue the day that this went on. Because all right. once again, we've thrown a sacred tenant of our republic in the trash. Well, it, I, I know what you're saying, but why are we throwing out a sacred tenant of our republic if our Constitution calls for us to use, obviously, a jury made up of stakeholders, of political stakeholders? I doubt they ever envisioned, when they made those rules and wrote that in the Constitution, this case. I doubt they ever envisioned <laughs> well, I guess this not. case would happen. And I believe this is a unique situation. And the people who are uh, elected to be the wiser people in the group should be saying to themselves, wait a minute. This ain't going to work. All right. Thank you so much, Cindy. I really appreciate the Thanks. call. Yeah, good point. Interesting. It's not an impartial jury. Could you ever convict a jury where half of them aren't already ready to convict? You know, you really are just, <laughs> who cares about the 100 senators there? You really only need the 15 or so that you need to get your conviction. That's who they're really targeting. All right. 1-800-795-9565 is an open line. We're talking about the impeachment. Got some emails and texts related to this. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Joe has had ample time to read the texts and the emails. If you'd like to join that queue, call us or email us at onthemark at WKOK.com and text us at 70236 if you'd like to be on the telephone. We have time for another caller or two, 1-800-795-9565. We're talking about impeachment. Uh, we're talking about Bruce Castor yesterday, the good attorney who uh, told the U.S. Senate that the dog ate my homework. 
the reason that i am having trouble with the with the argument is the american people just spoke and they just changed administrations so in the light most favorable to my colleagues on the other side of the aisle here their system works the people are smart enough in the light most favorable to them they're smart enough to pick a new administration if they don't like the old one and they just did and he's down there pennsylvania avenue now probably wondering how come none of my stuff is happening up at the Capitol. Right, and his point being that, that that basically decides it. We don't need a conviction. The people wanted him out of office, and they successfully devoted well, I'm it sure that didn't place. please the president, because he, oh, his yeah, argument is... He's, he's probably having a meltdown. But here's the thing. You and I checked on the um, during the break. You know, we talked about like censure. Censure idea. censure idea. Right. The last time it was done, the only time it was done to an American president was in 1834, okay. uh, when the Whigs uh, came after Andrew Jackson, and they censured him for withholding documents uh, that he had with relations to or relevant rather to closing the U.S. bank at the time. But later on, some of his colleagues, as you point out, in the Democratic Party reversed the censure. They expunged it. Expunged it, right. Say I like expunge. 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 You, you like that I like that word. <laughs> so, I mean, it's all that would have been a that would have sent a powerful message. It's only been done once in the uh, con, in the history of the country in 1834, almost 200 years ago. And then when the Democrats or the Republicans take over the Senate in a couple of weeks or in a couple of years, they'll expunge the censure. I don't think they would. I, I think in Andrew Jackson's case, it was a strictly a political event. In other words, he withheld documents that were political in nature. In this case, we're talking about a man who may or may not have contributed to uh, break in at the United States Capitol. So what are you suggesting, that we abandon the impeachment and just go with a censure? We should have on? never started the impeachment. Right, okay. We should have censured him in the first place. I suspect they would have picked up maybe 16... Republican votes, maybe 17. For a censure. For a censure. All right, 1-800-795-9565. We're talking about the impeachment. That's 1-800-795-WKOK. Joe, you got a text there? Okay, it says, To Cindy's call, I may not be able to be a juror, but I can testify in court to the home invasion. Really? You were there? Okay. Well, no, no, he's talking about, in her illustration, if her home was burgled, oh, she could okay. be on the jury, but she could testify. testify. Okay, I well, see. But that's you... completely different. Right, there's see what no, you're saying. There's no issue. Uh, Sorry, this, I get this, that. This one starts here. says, good morning. The constitutional impeachment proceedings will now be going on seven days a week. The Jewish lawyer said he was okay doing Saturdays now after the changes were made for that. The argument that Black Lives Matter have anything to do with the insurrection that Trump started are just the Republicans l- uh, looking for a scapegoat. Right. See, again, that's what I say. It's always okay on the other side. It's it's permissible, but if on the if you go on the other side, it's not. Oh, and here's geez. what's interesting. You know, I, I heard somebody say this, and I think they're right, that the reason the Capitol Police were unprepared for what happened is that typically Trump supporters are not violent people. They, they do not break the law unless they are provoked or attacked. Well, but this is a, it, about being presidential. It's more than obvious that the president was way, way less than presidential. Hence, uh, censure. S- starting in July. Well, plus impeachment and conviction. I think it would be ideal if they did all three. But in any event... Ain't going to happen. <laughs> Lawrence's worthless prediction is it will. Oh, I can hardly wait to see that. I'd like the names of the Republicans you think are going to cross over and vote for it. Oh, my gosh. We, we already named one. Um, Bill yeah, Toomey. Bill Cassidy's <laughs> on board. Yeah, Senator Toomey. Uh, Bob, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Oh, good morning. Um, 
I guess what we're talking about earlier, I heard somebody mention that uh, that Trump started uh, saying that the election was going to be uh, rigged back in the summer. Is that correct? Right. And, well, that's what the impeachment articles say. They, they begin, they, they use December 6th as the culmination of that, but they do say that the work on the big lie was really turned up and amplified starting in July, you know, when the president said that the the election would be rigged, the only way he could lose is if it, there was criminality involved. And then, of course, after the election itself, then, it, you know, it, he kept that going. That's what the well, uh, article says, anyway. Yeah, uh... So, so Trump actually gets uh, information from lots of sources, right? Did you ever hear of a guy named Mike Podhoser? Doesn't ring a bell, no. Well, Mike Podhoser is a leading. I mean, he stays under the radar, but he is the, the leading person as far as elections go for Democrats. And if you want to read about it, uh, there's an article in Time Magazine by Molly Ball. Okay, but I'll anyway, check it out. He, he couldn't he couldn't hold back. I mean, he had to gloat. So so that's what that article is about. That he started he started in December to set things up to rig the election. Now he was financed by uh, uh, all the Zuckerberg and all them people put millions of dollars into his chest and and what he did with the help of them people is he got all the social media and other people together so that he could rig the election now that's in the article that he was interviewed because he couldn't hold back he had to gloat about it so it's all there in plain black and white all right, but what did he do to rig the election? I mean, is this the uh, computer? Well, read the article. I guess okay. that's, you're not going to tell he us. He did everything possible. Okay, <laughs> he got he got uh, he got big big business to go on his side. He got the he got the uh, social media, everything. Okay. Yeah, but none of that they has had, anything to they, do with the ballot box. <laughs> it didn't have anything to do with the ballot box, right? Yeah. I mean, if you put a ballot, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand your reasoning. You know, Cindy calls in here. She's highly reasonable. The only thing that she doesn't reason with is the fact that people like you have no reason, reasoning cognizance. <laughs> no, I'm just saying to you um, that if you say he rigged the election and he did so through social media, my question to you, which I don't it think is... It wasn't only social media is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. It, that was just one of the things. There was like 20 of them, okay? 20 different things there okay. that he did. Gotcha. Okay, All right, we'll check one. it out. Well, I get Time Magazine, so we'll check it out. I hate to do this to you, Bob, because I think you got some great points. We're going to ask you to call back in about 10 minutes and uh, present the rest of those uh, 40 points, and then uh, we'll all know what you know. So thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate it. We have to make way for Leonard Steinhorn. Yes, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be dialing up Leonard Steinhorn from CBS News. 
Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, we have asked for and received an opportunity to talk to uh, Leonard Steinhorn, a CBS political analyst, professor of communications and history at American University. He's been on the news line in the past. He's back. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Happy to be back. Well, I do appreciate it, Professor. So is this decided now? This trial is constitutional. The Senate decided to go ahead with it. We got the first testimony out of the way yesterday, or the opening arguments. So that is now officially decided. There won't be any more uh, decision-making about that. It's constitutionality at all. Well, the Senate voted that it is constitutional. You had all 50 Democrats and six Republicans saying this should proceed, there's nothing unconstitutional about it, that the founders never imagined that a president in the last month or weeks of office, if they did something bad, would never be held accountable. And so they were able to bring the five senators who originally voted to move ahead with the trial, or five Republicans, and they added one more because lots of people felt yesterday the Democrats were far more convincing far more compelling than anything that Donald Trump's defenders put up there. You think it's an overreach? In 1834, they uh, censured Andrew Jackson. You think that maybe censure would have been a better route to travel, doctor? Well, censure has no sort of force of law. It basically is saying, we're censuring you. And, And I think what uh, the Democrats argue, and many Republicans and many moderates and independents, is that, you know, Donald Trump crossed the line with what happened on January 6th, that he urged people to go and attack the Capitol. Now, his defenders say, look, don't take him literally. It was all figurative. And if we take everything that every politician says literally, we have nobody serving in Congress or or the White House. Um, But the bottom line is this. You had, and I I like to put it this way, you had the person empowered by Article 2 of the Constitution urging people to go and undo the work or attack the people empowered by Article One of the Constitution, the Congress. And to so many people, whether you're Democratic or Republican or Independent or Moderate or Conservative or Liberal, that's a fundamental assault on our system of government, on our democracy, on our Constitution. So the argument here is that regardless of what vote you can actually get, there's a compelling moral reason to proceed with this because of the belief that Donald Trump crossed the line and was impeached and should be convicted and then should be prevented from holding office again. Now, there is one other little sort of potential twist here, which is that if um, impeachment fails, if the conviction fails, you can still hold that censure vote and you can attach to it some wording from the 14th Amendment of the Constitution that may prohibit Donald Trump from ever serving again. So that's sort of a plan B, but I'm not so sure the Democrats want to go down that route because they ultimately think he should be convicted uh, based on the, his impeachment. But but it's a political process, and the founders of the Constitution, the framers of the Constitution, set it up as a political process. And so why should we be surprised if anything other than a political outcome results? Well, yes, it is a political process. It's a political outcome, and we should look at impeachment and conviction in that sense. I mean, if Donald Trump uh, is not going to be going to the court of law and facing criminal charges, it's, some people have argued maybe he should be charged criminally. Even Republicans have said, hey, look, take it out of the Congress see if he gets charged criminally. But he's not going to be charged criminally. He's not going to be serving time. He's not going to be convicted in that way. So, yes, it's a political process. And so, the, you know, the Republicans argue, hey, look, he's no longer in office. 
you're now sort of going after a private individual. This is wrong. But the Democrats say he was president. He should be held accountable. And the only way the Constitution allows us to hold him accountable is through impeachment and conviction. Therefore, it is, of course, a political process, even if you use the word conviction um, associated with it. And do you agree that this is a, a proper use of the U.S. Senate, that the impeachment was sound and that the uh, trial is uh, being conducted in a manner that's consistent with the, what the Constitution calls for? Well, you know, look, it's, it was certainly concerning um, that uh, the President of the United States um, would deny a valid election, some, an election that his cyber chief and his own government uh, said was the most secure election in American history. Of course, that person was fired for saying that. So to deny that, to try to undo it, to try and get people to storm the Capitol, basically to install him as president against the will of the American people and the certified uh, elections in the in the 50 states plus the District of Columbia, um, you know, that really does cross the line. And what happened January 6th was so stunning and so shocking when you have members of Congress texting and calling people saying, this may be the last time you ever hear from me. That is a direct assault on, on the Capitol. Imagine what could have happened if some of those folks who were saying they were going to go kill Nancy Pelosi or, you know, or even Mike Pence had gotten in there and actually done something with the weapons that they brought into the Capitol. Look at the people who died um, in that assault. Police officers died. You see the images of police officers defending themselves, getting squeezed into doors. These are the same people who say they support law and order. Um, so, it, yes, it does cross the line in so many ways. Everyone has to use their own conscience and judgment as to whether they think that's enough to impeach and convict. But my own sense is I, I'm convinced by the argument that the founders of our country did not want to give any president a free pass in their final days, weeks, or even months in office and um, not be potentially be held accountable in the only way that our political system allows them to be held accountable. I think that was compelling, a compelling argument, and most constitutional scholars agree with that. Well, Professor, looking down the road, uh, the president may face some legal jeopardy with respect to his phone call to the Secretary of State in Georgia uh, and possibly some other things. Why why not go the criminal route? Why not charge him? If he incited a riot, why not charge him? But he used the word fight, and we use that all the time. Go in there and fight and win the game. Do this and fight. You know, and it's more, it's not, not necessarily a call to violence. Yeah, and that's the argument, that it's not don't take him literally, take him figuratively. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's really the argument that lots of people are using in this regard. Um, but look, what might happen in Georgia is a state issue. It's not a federal issue. And for a federal issue to take place, it would have to come out of the Department of Justice. Um, and I'm not so sure the Biden administration wants to go down that path of pursuing, you know, Donald Trump, you know, for inciting a riot like that in large part because they believe that that's a role of Congress. But let's also be clear about this, that, you know, impeachment is not necessarily based on strict legal um, sort of lines. It's based on fitness for office. The whole uh, idea of high crimes and misdemeanors is not to be literally crimes or misdemeanors. It's about sort of abusing your uh, uh, power, abusing your authority, crossing the line, fitness for office 
doing things that don't necessarily comport with um, how our Constitution and our democracy ought to run. So, as you said earlier, very appropriately, this is a political interpretation of what crosses the line. And the very fact that there are enough Republicans who are willing to break ranks with the most popular person in their party, Donald Trump, and with many of their own voters, um, tells you that this was troubling enough to be able to bring this up and leave it to the conscience of Congress to be able to figure out as to whether Donald Trump deserves this political repudiation called impeachment and conviction and not be allowed to run for high office again. Give us a glimpse of, last question, give us a glimpse of what's going to be happening in the days and the week ahead. Well, what will have uh, have happened now is the House managers have 16 hours to present their case, and they'll do it. They'll do it in a way that's somewhat similar to what they did yesterday by punctuating their arguments and their rhetoric and their sort of prosecutorial brief with images and visuals and testimonies and, and evidence from, from the indictments of many of the people who have already been sort of uh, brought before the law uh, for invading the Capitol. They'll look at all of those people who say, yes, I heard President Trump, he told me to do this, I was following his orders, I was doing what President Trump wanted me to do. So they will very methodically bring that out. And once they're done um, sort of associating Donald Trump with what happened on January 6th, and doing that with, you know, as, as I say, argument and visuals and evidence and recordings, then the Republicans, Donald Trump's team, will have a chance to be able to do that for 16 hours. And the argument that they will likely make is something that you said earlier, which is this is an issue of free speech. Um, let's, you know, interpret his speech for what it was. Don't take everything he said literally. You know, everyone has a right to free speech, and they will in all likelihood bring up examples of inflammatory rhetoric by Democrats at times and say, if you take all of this stuff literally, then virtually no one would be serving in Congress or nobody would be eligible for the White House. So that will be their argument. And then they will determine whether they bring in witnesses. That's still to be decided. So that's what we're going to be seeing in the next few days. Um, and depending on how many witnesses or if there are witnesses brought in, um, you may be seeing a vote potentially early next week as whether to convict him. And keep one other thing in mind. Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader, has basically told his, his colleagues in the Senate Republican caucus, vote your conscience on this. McConnell has made it clear that even though he voted to, to uh, against moving ahead with this impeachment trial, he's made it clear that he's going to sit there weigh the evidence, think seriously about it, and that he is not going to organize his caucus in any way, shape, or form to defend Donald Trump. He's saying, vote your conscience. It's clear to me that Mitch McConnell is deeply, deeply troubled by what President Trump did, and he himself said that what he thought Donald Trump did was impeachable. So, again, keep your eyes on him. I think he's going to be a big bellwether as to what happens uh, with the ultimate vote. Well, thank you so much. Thank we you. will check in with you again. We appreciate your insights, and uh, we'll rely on you for future analysis if you'll, if you'll have us. Thank yeah, you, we'll, sir. We'll keep bugging you. Happy to do it. <laughs> hey, no problem. Keep Enjoy bugging. Thank you so much. Good uh, <laughs> At least we're honest. We'll keep bothering you. <laughs> Leonard Steinhorn, a CBS News political analyst, professor of communications, and uh, an affiliate professor of history at American University. We will be right back.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. That's it, huh? That's all she wrote for today. We're we're done for the day. Uh, Please, uh, Bob from Williamsport, call back tomorrow. We've got open phones the whole time. I'd love to hear all your good observations. And uh, rigging the election, we'll check out the Time Magazine article and make sure that we're clear what this uh, fellow did. And uh, we'll talk about all this tomorrow. Rob Center could never be any more fabulous than he already is, so we appreciate that. Joe, we'll see you tomorrow. Tom says the clown show rages on. This is WDK, okay, Sunbury.